Hi, this is Brock Lurie, and this is the Brock Lurie Podcast with my friend, Ari David, and producer. Always a pleasure. Um, I had an interesting um, a Sunday show. I really, you know, I, I always love talking about God. Um, it's a big, I think I said it like a Minnesota, like talking about God. Um, <laughs> like, like the Blues Brothers. We're on a mission from God. Um, but anyway, not to insult any of you folks from Minnesota, but uh, in any event, we are in a sense on a mission from God, right? We, we do want to explore God. What is more important than it? Especially, look, if you believe in God, if you have found God in your life, then there is almost no choice but for you to pursue God, right? You don't just say, yeah, I believe in God, but you know, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> no, you, 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 if you actually believe in God, then you must believe that God has a purpose for you. And you must ask the big questions. Why are we here? What's our purpose? Right? If, if, you're, if you don't do that, then you're not really believing in God in so many ways. I, I'm saying this philosophically. This is not a proof of God in any shape or form. But I am saying it philosophically. If you are not engaging in a charitable uh, efforts for, for money, and if not money, then time, if you're not kind to your neighbor, if you're not... Um, constantly questioning yourself in terms of honesty and making sure that you're you're standing up to the letter and spirit of the Ten Commandments, then you're you don't really believe in God. That, that's my personal belief about it. Uh, to simply say that you believe in God and then not act consistently with that, it, it probably means that you don't really believe in God. You, you think there might be a God. Uh, you wonder if there is one, but you don't really believe in one. Which brings us to the uh, an interesting thing that happened on Sunday. I had uh, a topic about atheism, and as you know, I've, I used to be an atheist myself. I feel very comfortable in arguing the atheist position, um, and frankly, I, I don't know of any atheist who's ever given me a better argument for atheism than I have given for atheism. I'm still waiting. I've read uh, almost all the books I could get my hands on on atheism, thinking, okay, let's see what else they've said than 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 what I have said when I was an 11-year-old atheist. That's right, 11-year-old. And, and when I was an 11-year-old atheist, and I thought I was so brilliant, because after all, I was 11 years old, and I figured out that there was no God. Now I realize atheism is simply an 11-year-old's philosophy. It's just not very bright. It's not well thought out at the very least. So... I have all these arguments, and I keep on asking for the books and the arguments. And I read Christopher Hitchens in particular. I think the God is Not Great book. And I, I have to tell you, I, I just was so unimpressed with that book. I thought it was, first of all, very disorganized in its thinking. And its whole theme is that science will find a way, find an answer. Doesn't that's that's not a good answer, and that that's kind of what we talked about in one of our previous podcasts, which is every atheist answer. Remember that one? Which is science will find a way. Science will find a way. Not good enough. You have to say that good for today, it appears that there is an intelligent designer to this universe. You don't have to believe in the, the God of the Bible. I get that. But good for today, when we're just looking out in the sky and trying to figure this all out and where we are, it's hard to come to any conclusion other than that this was designed. Good for today. 
and I, I said on my Sunday show, the burden of proof is now shifted to the atheist to explain why this is indeed random, why it's not designed. And if you can show that, then the burden of proof shifts back to us. And honestly, Ari, I got to tell you, if someone could show me all the facts showing here's why it's random and, and show me empirically that there, there ain't no God and here's why it all happened randomly and organically and why you're foolish to think otherwise, uh, I'll embrace it. I'm not here to, uh, to defend a belief. I just, I think it's overwhelming. The evidence is so overwhelming that I embrace God because, I, I mean, it's silly to believe otherwise. It, it's gotten to the point where I believe, in a sense, more in God, the presence of God, than I believe in the presence of you sitting right in front of me. I, I, I believe I could prove God's existence more than I can prove your existence. Strange argument, you say? It sounds strange, but it's not. Uh, and, and I'm not going to get into it, but I, I could, that's how, how deeply I've thought this through. And I will challenge any atheist, any atheist on this. Um, so I'm going to start moderating uh, seminars on, on the issue of atheism. It's going to be fun. Um, anyway, let, let's talk about cosmos because this touches upon what we're talking about. Uh, you and I already have not been fans of the show Cosmos. I mean, there has been some really nice, brilliant uh, cinematography, if you want to call it that. Pictures, pretty pictures. Pretty pictures. Let's keep this simple for the audience. Right. <laughs> no, you know, when they actually stick to science and they show the amazement of science, it's pretty cool. Pulsars and quasars and black holes and, and, and how stars, you know, supernova and you know, the death spirals of certain stars. I think it's cool when they show, like, images of the Hubble telescope in visible light and then overlay X-ray light and sure. infrared light so you can see what else is out there. That kind of stuff is cool. Totally cool. As long as uh, DeGrasse Tyson isn't talking, it's very cool. <laughs> yeah, if he just sticks to the facts, man, so to, so to speak, uh, then, then, you know, but he, he always, like, ruins it. It's kind of like that guy, um, you know, he's giving a great speech, and then he just, you know... Ends it with a knock knock joke or something, right? She's like, "Oh man, you were you were really on a roll, <laughs> right? Just why why would you do that? You know, you just ruined it." Or 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 like a a guy who was on a great date and the and the girl says, "Wow, you are so charming. You are so I really enjoy listening to you. You're so bright, and I just really like the way you're talking." And then he says, "So uh, does that mean you're gonna give me uh, some some you know?" Fill in something, uh, something sexual fun. here. <laughs> something fun, and then she just kind of shakes her head like, "Oh man, uh, you just ruined it. You just ruined the moment." Yeah. And, and that's what Neil deGrasse Tyson says. Uh, that's what he does all the time. Uh, he he ruins it like, "Oh man, you you had such great momentum there, and then you just have to ruin it." How does he ruin it? He ruins it by giving these little nasty grams along the way, uh, usually insulting people of faith. So. And he salts them in two ways. One is a direct attack where he, he says, look, those people who believe that the Bible is uh, inspired, uh, they've, they've got to be wrong because, you know, this, you know if, if you believe that the uh, universe is only 6,000 years old, here, here's how I can prove that it's not 6,000 years old. And he shows that light years go way beyond the six years and that's impossible and so on. As if, as if that's the 
in a plurality or majority of people who believe in God is that we believe also that the universe is only 6,000 years old, Earth years, you understand. Um, so th this is what we have to play with enough to deal with. Then a more maybe sinister insult that he gives us is this notion that those people who believe in science are unafraid with uh, not knowing. They are brave people. They're okay with not knowing. And he even said this in the last episode of Cosmos, which I believe was the finale. And he said, uh, some people, and I think I'm quoting him here, some people like their universe small. And that's okay. I understand that. Understandable. Um, and of course, he's referring to people of faith, right? Because that's the way he views people of faith. He views them as people who are huddled around each other, terrified of the outside world, um, you know, doing the, the famous, you know, three monkey stance with, uh, you know, covering their eyes, covering their ears, and covering their mouths because they don't want to deal with reality. Neanderthals around the campfire. Yes. Huddling with what they see up in the sky. They're terrified. Terrified. We're just all terrified. And we create this illusion of God in order to give ourselves, our, ourselves a sense of order and structure to avoid the, the harsh and cold reality that is life. That's, the, that's how he views the, the, the typical religious observant person. And, and by contrast, he says to us out loud and bravely, me, I like my universe big because I'm not afraid of the unknown. You know, I, I, I'm okay with not knowing. I'm okay with that. Oh, okay, I see, yeah. <laughs> right, I, I mean, as if, as if. And, and how do I know that he thinks this? How do I know deeply in his mind this is what he thinks? Because I was one of those people. I know exactly. You I used mean, to think that. I used, as an 11-year-old, I, I, I used to that. think that. Yes. And, and, and we both turned around and said, boy, we were really stupid. Right, we really Let's try to be smarter now. right. And, and to, my, to my Christian and Jewish friends, I'm really embarrassed. I mean, th you know, it's, there, there's almost nothing more embarrassing than, first of all, you know, not knowing is something is okay. But then pretending to know something and showing that you are totally wrong, that's, that's where you, your, red turns, your, your face turns red and your stomach kind of feels like it's emptying. Uh, you know, that's, that's where you feel really stupid, right? You've, you've taken a hardline position the earth is flat, whatever it might be, right? You know, by golly, I, I'm going to prove that. Pancakes you. are flat. Pancakes are like earth. Earth is flat. Right, right. QED. Right. And you stick to it. <laughs> you stick to, to that particular philosophy, right? And then you realize, oh, gosh, I, I guess I really was wrong. Fine. But this is, this is what gets me about people like Neil, what is it, DeGrasse? DeGrasse Tyson. Tyson. Okay. You know, he's so sure of himself. And it's so embarrassing for him. I'm, I'm embarrassed for him because, you know, he's like, we, we made this uh, analogy before. He's like that clown that, you know, you hire for your kid's birthday party. And the clown has a little, you know, stuffed monkey on his back. And he, he kind of falls on his back and then, and, you know, it's, <laughs> and it's somehow stuck on his back. And, and the clown says to the kids, hey, kids. Have you seen my, my clown, Charlie? He was right here a moment ago. And all the kids start screaming. <laughs> and they say, he's right there. He's on your back. And they're all so cacophonous. And he can't even hear them. You know? And he goes, what, what? He say he's behind me? And then he turns behind and goes, no, I don't see him. And in the meantime, of course, the, the, the monkey's smiling back to the kids. 
And, and it's like right there. And the kids are so frustrated because, by golly, he's right there. Why won't the clown see it? And, and <laughs> this is the way it is with people like Neil deGrasse Tyson. They won't see God, which is right in front of them. Yeah, or the, forget God, the great mystery of the spiritual. Right. The great, the great unexplainable. Right. right in front of them. Right in front of them. And they're like, well, there's obviously nothing there. Right. Well, the, and, and the difference between the clown and Neil deGrasse Tyson is that in defense of the clown, the monkey's behind him. He literally can't see him. <laughs> okay? I mean, quote, unquote. But, but to use a better analogy, this, this monkey is right in front of us. You should be able to see him, but you're refusing to see him. I mean, you can, you can play with the clown all you like and say, you know, he's just being an idiot, right? He, because, of, because of his momentum and he's turning around and he doesn't see the, the monkey. But, but Neil deGrasse Tyson should see. He's smart enough to know there is God right in front of him. And we are all watching the show saying, he's right there. He's right there. Not in behind you, in front of you. And you refuse to see it. And even with his own words, Neil deGrasse Tyson, he's, he's fascinating because he constantly says, isn't this beautiful? Wow, look at this beautiful syncopation and centrality of the universe and how one thing assists with the others. And by, by golly, if we didn't have this, the, the magnetic field around the sun, then we would have this bombardment of radiation. And not only that, as I learned last night, there is this huge heliosphere that protects the entire solar system from bombardment of cosmic rays, not just from the sun, but from the, the universe from itself. From outside the, outside the solar, solar system. system. And uh, so you even have that. you know. And, and one thing, there's so much harmony going on, uh, certainly with respect to Earth, that it's so bizarre. And you think to yourself, and Neil, have you ever asked, your question, asked yourself the question, how could it be so perfect? How could this work out so well? To which he'd say, because I, I know what he would say, he would say, I know as crazy as the odds are, it happened, right? And if you have the many multiple universes that I believe are out there, you're going to have an Earth-like situation going on. To which I would respond, okay. So you seem to understand the incredible improbability that we would have Earth as Earth with the humans and the free will and the beauty and all that stuff and the, the, the very temperate environment that we have that's so perfect for all of us, you seem to understand the incredible improbability, and yet you, you, you are applauding the voyager going out and hoping to find new life out there with the little, you know, the, the record player thing that, that shows, you know, the unique, supposedly universal um, symbols, literally universal. And you actually hope to find a planet that actually has this. Okay, so do you understand how this doesn't work for you, Neil? Right? If you, if you believe that it's so crazily improbable to have an Earth, and the only reason why the improbability happened is because, well, when you factor in all the universes possible, then you're bound to have something crazy like this happen. And here we are. But, but you're saying there might be life elsewhere. How could that be? The probabilities don't allow for that. That's right. So, anyway, so he doesn't even realize the contradictions within his own arguments, and and the fact that he's, you know, he's clearly finding more and more amazing things 
that are happening. Like, and we were talking offline about how the universe is not only expanding because of the initial explosion and therefore by way of, of momentum and vacuums that it continues to continue on, but for some crazy reason, they are actually traveling faster than we would expect them to. They're, it, it, I think it's you accelerating. Yeah, it's accelerating. You gave a great example of, of a pitcher throwing the ball to a catcher. By the time it gets into a catcher's mitt, it's actually traveling a little slower than it was when it left. Yeah, the, the pitcher's arm is moving faster than the ball. Right. The ball at the pitcher's fingertips is moving faster than it is when it arrives at the catcher's mitt. Right. That's how physics works. Right. Things slow down. Right. But now, this is moving faster right. now, than the, when it was thrown. Right. Now, the scientists will tell you, well, wait a minute, you're forgetting about this is not in a vacuum. If it were a vacuum, then the speed would be exactly the same, right? You know, once you launch it at 80 miles an hour, it's going it to stay stays. 80 miles an hour. Right. Gotcha. But it doesn't pick up speed. That, right. Right. It doesn't go to 85, 90, 95. What? I mean, it's crazy. It does not make any sense. So... Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about how this is happening. He doesn't seem to explain it. Now, I'm not one of those guys that says, well, because we can't explain it, therefore there's a God that must be responsible for it. But what I am saying is, why don't you, don't you think there's something amazing about that? Don't you wonder about that? Yeah, something wondrous, something intangible, something transcendent, transcendent. could possibly be there. Right. And And... To not understand the transcendence of the electron, the atom, and then the electron, and how distant it is, and how the 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 perfect syncopation even within one atom, one atom, and how perfect it is, and never to ask the question, why is it so? And and if it were the slight, slightest bit difference, slight, slightest bit off, there would be nothing, nothing in the universe at all. We would have no ability to even talk about it. But here we are. Here we are. So. With all this great choreography and celestial balance out there, he never stops to ask, maybe someone designed this. You know, we, we always talk about the watch on the beach, right? You're walking on the, on the beach and you stumble upon a, a, you know, a classic watch and you would assume that somebody left it there. And, and in turn, also, you would assume that somebody made that watch, which in turn, somebody else ended up leaving there. Especially if it says Swiss made, right? <laughs> then it would probably be made by some dudes who are very good at making watches in Switzerland. <laughs> you yeah. know, you follow the signs. There was there was a man uh, who spoke Swiss uh, <laughs> who was involved in the process, yeah. and there, it was in Geneva because it says Geneva, and right? <laughs> maybe that's how it happened. And to which an atheist will respond, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, Barack and Ra, that's very different." And here, let me explain why. Because this was, you know, we are here organically. We are the product of billions and billions of years of evolution. Never mind, it's only been four billion years of any serious existence on the Earth, but that's another story. And only maybe one billion years of actually habitable life, but that's another story. Yeah, and maybe only 14 billion, which is not many, many, many. It's only 14 for the entire universe. The Big Bang, so we're not talking about a long time here. Right, but we digress, right? Yes. I mean, so th they'll say, you know, one after the other, that the organic stuff happened and, and we, we ended up being so that we evolved and survival of the fittest and all those good things. Again, never mind that there's no evidence for that in the fossil record whatsoever, but let's just take this for fun. So you go on and on about this and you say, all right, 
that watch on the beach that we found, that proverbial watch, the thought experiment that we're now having, that watch, will you grant me, dear atheist, is far less sophisticated than the human brain. Well, sure, of course, but, but and then I, then I interrupt him, because I feel I can interrupt him, and say, in fact, the brain, would you say, is at least a million times more sophisticated than that watch? Yes. Yes, I would. And that would be a fair estimate, right? It certainly can do a lot more than just tell time, the brain. So you're saying to me that this happened randomly over, let's say, a billion years, that we got to this point so quickly over a billion years. And random, you know, randomness means a lot of things, right? I mean, why didn't we randomly become less uh, intelligent? Why don't we become, uh, you know, I don't know, jellyfish? Why, why get to this point? How is it? Well, that's survival of the fittest right there for you. Okay, well, that, that's when we start grilling him about the lack of evidence in the fossil record. And, and by the way, how long does it take for, how many, how many years does it take for something to mutate into another, uh, so, so that that mutation now becomes the standard, right? How, for example, two arms. We, we all have two arms. Under the theory of evolution, two arms popped up somewhere, right? And that must have been the survival of the fittest. Somehow the two arms were better than one arm or no arms at all. How long did that take? Was that over a, a, a span of 10 years, 100 years, 10,000 years? I mean, don't you have to add up all these numbers or do they all happen at the same time? I mean, I just, I just, it's hard to wrap my mind around it. But it's a disingenuous argument. It's always been a disingenuous argument. Um, the complexity, the fact that we ourselves, with all of our brain power, cannot come even close to the power of the human brain. Not even close to, to inventing it. And to, and you to mean then, with computer power? With computer power or otherwise. I mean, you, you cannot mimic the human brain. You can do artificial intelligence on some key things like a chessboard, let's say, a chess game. You can do that. But it does not at all mimic the extraordinary human ability to create and to have a purpose and to have beauty and free will. You'll never have that. In fact, it proves something very profound that I just thought of. Well, I hope this is profound. Otherwise, I'm like you as an 11-year-old atheist. Thinking about something really yeah. stupid. But it occurs to me, what a computer does very well is just add numbers. Calculation. It can calculate big numbers faster than I can calculate uh, five or six small ones. That's right? right? That's right. Okay. But here's the thing. So what? The real thinking, what really makes things is what you're saying, the transcendent creativity of the human brain mixed with the human soul and the human spirit and all that stuff. Right. To bring something truly three-dimensional and amazing to life, a piece of art, a piece of music, sculpture, etc. For things that can just crunch numbers fast, like the IBM Big Blue playing chess against Kerry Kasparov, mm -hmm. isn't that a perfect image of, of how flimsy the randomness argument is, since numbers really are just all random anyway, to a right. certain extent, and calculations are really just random? To, it's, it's an or, interesting or point. Or randomness is part of calculation? Well, that, that's what they'll argue. They'll throw that back at you. I would. I would say, Ari, well, your, your argument proves my point that because of the randomness... And we got Big Blue, you know, because through a process of randomness, it's under, it understands randomness, that therefore we could have had randomness in the evolutionary process. 
look, all I'm saying is this, that you cannot, I mean, it's, a, it's actually a very big point, and I think, to me, it's an obvious point, not even, not even profound. It's just that it's right there in front of us. Yeah, the obviousness of how useless and unimportant randomness and random theory really is. Right. My, my point is that I'm, I'm talking about seeing the monkey and seeing the monkey that's right in front of us. That you cannot expect, you would not expect to see something as highly evolved as a human brain, even with 30 billion years. Uh, it just, it could not happen. You're not allowing room for all the mistakes that are associated. That the, 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 the mistakes of a three-armed person or a one-armed person um, the three-eyed person or the person with no eyes. It, it, we don't have all this trial and error. It just seems to magically always go with the right direction. Yeah. And they'll say, well, that's because of survival of the fittest, Barack. No. Then we would expect to see at least one fossil with these crazy mutations that you're talking about. Putting aside, putting aside that there are no fossils evidencing or suggesting uh, this nice staccata sort of uh, progression of evolution where you get that nice, you know, classic example of, uh, you know, fish to man, right? You know, you, you know, ultimately leading with the caveman and then to... To the, the amphibian, to the... Yeah. yeah you don't have that. It's not... It's, wait, 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 yeah. And it's not even... You don't have... You put that aside. You just don't have all these things. And it just doesn't make... People never talk about the numbers. They don't talk about how long it would take for each of these mutations to actually take hold and become the standard anymore. They just, they just don't take that into account. They want you to just assume it in, in, in a very theoretical sense. And, and how can they do that? Because they point to, as Neil deGrasse Tyson did, the polar bear who had brown fur, now having white fur because he's adapting to his snowbound environment. You understand? Well, that's, you know, that's racist. Uh, yeah, you said that before. <laughs> but it never gets yeah, old. It never gets Sorry. old. You love it. But the point, the point of it is that, that, I mean, even assuming that that is the case, which I, I don't even buy in the first instance, but let's say it did. Let's say anecdotally that that happened. It's only anecdotal. That's quite a leap that you're making when you're saying this applies to everything else. Right? That's, that's, that's kind of a cute thing. I mean, as a scientist, right? And if, if, if I were to tell you, if, if I were to... Uh, I don't know, uh, ask um, a, a computer to, a random number generator, let's put it that way, to throw me a number. And um, the first number, I say it's going to be between one and five. And, um, and then it generates at the number three. And I say, uh-huh, you see? I know everything that this computer is going to do, right? You would say, well, come on, that's only a sample of one. Right? No, it, it, it doesn't mean anything. You know, we, we have this in the medicine all the time. You, you don't do experimental trials for a drug, and it works for one person, and then you say, it hereby works for uh -huh. everyone. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, you, you have to have clinical trials, and you have to do all the blind tests and everything. But when it comes to evolution, all they need is one example. Yeah, uh, or global bear. warming, for that matter. Any oh, yeah. Any agenda-driven right. belief. And, and uh, it's such a good point, because... They also never ask themselves the other two questions that are important about what you just said. How many times did the fittest not survive? And how many times did the random mistake of mutation, how many times did it survive? Yeah. And the number of times the fittest didn't survive, which I believe supports the idea that there's a creator, is numerous. 
why are we walking around as kings of this planet, not dinosaurs? Right. How is it the king of the beasts, dinosaurs, didn't have the wherewithal to survive that meteor impact? Yeah, it's a good one. How is it that they didn't invent computers or rockets capable of having delivering a nuclear warhead to the device and the, the radar systems needed to detect a deadly asteroid right. with yeah, all why, their power and right. survival. Why, why did they Why did they not evolve to the level that we're talking about yeah. and that they could do a, you know an Armageddon-type response to an asteroid, right? How is S- it? Send off a, a ship out there. Right. I, I, yes, it's exactly. It begs all these questions. It, there are too many questions that they, you know, but, but this is what we talk about when we talk about liberals not thinking things through. The atheist really doesn't think things through. Well, he doesn't think at all, right? Well, he does to some extent, but he doesn't think far enough. You know, it's it's like in chess, and we're literally looking at a chessboard right now. It's like in chess where you can think one move ahead. You can you can say, I'm thinking, but you don't see the whole board. You need to see the whole board and how making that move doesn't make sense in conjunction with the next move. And where do you want to go with this? So if you don't see that, I mean, to use Neil deGrasse Tyson's own argument against him, which is, you know, the, he, had a, he had an example where he was showing the circular, uh, the, the, the size of the universe as it would be if it were only 6,000 and how wrong they are. Okay? Well, I, I'm saying the same thing to the atheist. You are thinking in a very small circle. You need to expand your mind. You need to ask questions like, that's cute about the polar bear thing. And let's assume that it's true. That that he now has more, you know, white hair, white hair than he has a black hair because he's surviving better. I mean, I can even help him on this argument. I would say, look at people, isn't it? It's not that much of a coincidence to to note that people who live in Norway and Sweden tend to have lighter skin, and people in Africa, where it's always hot, 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 tend to have much darker skin. Uh, it's not a really a surprise, is it? It seems to go, you know, jibe with the. Thing. So he doesn't even need to use the example of the polar bear. He can just show us ourselves. But that's not it here nor there. Because it, it doesn't jump. It, it doesn't explain why we have one species to the other. It doesn't explain um, the uh, irreconci- say, irreducible complexity that we talked about before. And I won't explain again, but it's, it's, it just doesn't explain all these things. And you need to ask these questions. And if you don't ask these questions... You're not thinking it through. It's, it's, it explains, as we sometimes say uh, when we're trying to explain a problem, it explains only 10% of the problem. We, only 10% of what we see is explained by way of uh, evolution. Okay, what about the other 90%? You can't, you can't just interpolate and say that uh, evolution explains everything because it explains 10% of what I see. Right? But that's what they want you to think. They want you to make that rational conclusion. Essentially, they want the universe to be so incredibly small, simple, and easily explained. Right. And that's the point. Yeah. I, I, think you said it, I think you said it so well. It is exactly that. You know, we once had a, an episode where we said uh, a lot of liberals, not all liberals, of course, but a lot of liberals, they are exactly the opposite of what they claim to be. Right? We, we, we explained how uh, they, they seem to, they love, uh, you know, fairness, but in fact, they're being unfair. They, they hate racism, but in fact, their, their policies are actually racist. And we went on with this, right? Same thing when it comes to the atheist, to some extent. They, they think that they're very 
open-minded and, and re receptive to science, but in fact, they're actually the opposite. And tolerant, and tolerant. Yeah, well, it's, the, there's no tolerance in science for anybody who does not believe in evolution. And, uh, you know, we have this, you know, there's a grant process and everything else that we see is highly political. But, but it is fascinating, and this is the main point I want to drive home as we conclude. That is that people uh, who, like Neil deGrasse Tyson, they, they are so smug in their, their thinking that they are open to science, that they are open to the unknown, that they are receptive for that. In fact, they are not. They like to bundle their thinking in very clear terms. Everything can be explained by survival of the fittest. That's highly simplistic to say nothing of the fact that it's contrary to all the evidence that we now have. It explains, like I said, 10% of what we see, but nowhere close to all of what we see. The only thing that does seem to explain everything that we see, the only thing, is an intelligent design. What that designer looks like, whether he's moral or otherwise, I believe he's moral, or and that it's a he, or I mean, you know, yeah, and whether, an entity. Right, and whether it's Swiss-looking Jesus from uh, a figurine or Semitic-looking Jesus from history, or whether it's the uh, invisible God that Jews believe in, or something else, there's something there. Right. Something That's the only thing that explains all of this. Right. And they'll say that we're they'll accuse of believing in magic, but I, I say no, I don't believe in magic. I just just like the I wouldn't say that I believe in magic if I if I saw the watch on the beach and said that somebody left us here. You Can I say, tell you? Wait, wait, yeah, okay. I, I, you wouldn't say, I, you know, this this watch somebody must have left it. Your friend wouldn't say, you believe in magic. Who is this fanciful, fantastic person that, that you can't even see that left this watch on the beach? Right? You wouldn't say that. You would say, yeah, I, you know, I wonder if there's a lost and found here, right? That's what you would say. Uh, but, and that's what I'm saying about, about the universe. I'm saying that it's very clear that this could not have happened randomly. The, the odds against it are so staggeringly low that it happened randomly that it's, it's, um, it's not 1 out of 24, which is a low number, right? It's not 1 out of 124. It's not 1 out of a million and 24, not even a, one out of a trillion and 24. It's one out of a trillion and 24 times one out of a trillion and 24 times one. I mean, it just keeps on going to the point that you say, okay, something else is in operation here. I don't know what it looks like, but there's structure here. And does it matter what it looks like, really? Isn't no. it, is it more important as a, as a scientific mind operating on a sense of deducement that we're more in the ballpark than less in the ballpark right. in our pursuit of what that truth is? Right. The scientist is not being scientific. Yeah. That's the whole point. And they, they, they believe that there is a dichotomy between those who believe in God on the one hand and those who believe in science on the other. That's truly what they believe. They see them as disparate uh, brains, uh, part, part, parts of a belief, and that, uh, yeah, some people are both have faith on the one hand and believe in science on the other. And they, however they, they go about reconciling the two, well, that's their business. And uh, I can respect that. I can respect that. But in reality, you and I know that they're one and the same. Science is God. Science compels the conclusion that there's God. There is no... There's no contradiction. There's no contradiction. There's no separating the two. 
I mean, when you are studying science, if you truly are studying science, what you really are studying is God. That's the point. And, and you're, you're discovering the monkey that's right there in front of you. That's what I'm talking about. All right, folks. Well, I hope uh, you've enjoyed this in-depth discussion. There will be many more like this in the future. But discovering that monkey that's right there before you, it's, uh, it's a challenge. It shouldn't be, but it is for a lot of people. This is Barack Lurie. This has been the Barack Lurie Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah.